0: About the flow, man. Some neighbors are saying way too loud. That's only in the moment.
1: Welcome in, everybody, to a brand new episode of the world famous Loose Lug Nuts podcast, the NASCAR podcast by the average fan for the average fan. I'm Evan Roberts, joined alongside Thomas Dick. We got a really good interview for you today. Uh, we mentioned in the last episode NASCAR taking two weeks off. We are not. We got interviews lined up. We got content throughout the entire two weeks to keep you up to date with what is going around NASCAR while they are on their Olympic break. But Thomas, how you doing?
2: I, you know, I was ready. I'm ready for the break. A lot of uh, racing I've watched in, since February when we started this uh, best NASCAR podcast in the world and uh it's exhausting you know it is, it is like when there's three races in a weekend that's like yeah that's like 12 hours of viewing you yeah. know i used to read books i tell people i used to read books but i learned enough watching nascar i don't need to read no books no more hell yeah
1: and this is like our 48th episode that we've done so oh cow,
2: god we'll have to get an ice cream cake for 50
1: yeah so that will be coming up what next Tuesday yeah no, uh, next no next Friday yeah so that'll be exciting well we do have a really good interview uh, with Jennifer Canopal. she is the senior director of team driver and industry communications for NASCAR one of the things that uh, uh, I really enjoyed about this interview and getting the chance to talk to Jennifer was just getting a different aspect of NASCAR you know you always hear about the drivers and everything but Trying to give uh, the listeners a behind-the-scenes look of what goes on uh, in NASCAR.
2: And I'm not going to lie to you. This is the first interview I haven't been nervous for. Um, uh, Jennifer Canopo was a a student at Monmouth University when I worked there. And she worked in the athletic department. So I knew her. And uh, she has lapped me in professional life to put it in racing parlance. Um, I'm going to need a lucky dog to get on to her lap. Um, and most of the interviews so far, I'm like, oh my God, I hope Bailey Curry doesn't think I'm an idiot. And I hope, uh, Quinn Hoff doesn't think I'm a gonad. I'm pretty confident Jennifer thinks I'm both of those. So she knows I went in with no nervousness to this interview.
1: So without further ado, here she is Jennifer Knopel, the senior director of team driver in industry communications for NASCAR. All right, we welcome in a very special guest in Jennifer Knopel, who is the Senior Director of Team Driver and Industry Communications for NASCAR and is also a day one fan of Loose Lugnuts. So thank you for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, So first off, I told one of our friends that does PR for Roush Fenway Racing that you were coming on and he said the first question that we should ask you is, what do you do?
3: (laughs) Oh, that wasn't nice. Um, I do lots of things, lots of things. It changes by the day, which is tricky. Sometimes I help those PR friends with some parking passes. Sometimes I make sure they get where they need to go, that they know where the media center is and all that fun stuff. But mainly um, my job is to make sure that all the teams and the drivers, um, you know, have all the information that they have kind of on a week-to-week basis. Um, and really diving for like storylines and trying to book media for them on a week to week basis. So.
2: so for those that don't know, Jennifer was a, a student at uh, Monmouth University when I was a, a communications director there, and she has lapped me to put it in racing parlance. <laughs> she's gotten a really good job and I'm where I'm at. Um, uh, so just give us some background into how you got from a student at uh, Monmouth to where you're at now.
3: Yeah, so when I was at Monmouth, I was working with our, uh, our athletics team, um, you know, as part of my classes to, like, develop, you know, programs and how we could get media to talk about, um, talk about our sports a little more. And somehow that developed into a 13 or so year um, career in public relations at a company called Taylor. And while I was at Taylor, I worked on a lot of sports-based initiatives. So I worked with like Procter & Gamble on their Olympics program and um, Allstate on all their college football stuff and Capital One on all their college sports programs. So I had a lot of experience kind of in the sports world, and I, I was doing a little bit of NASCAR stuff. Um, but I decided that I wanted to leave the New Jersey, New York area. And, um, I had been talking to some friends who were in the NASCAR industry and they're like, you might be interested in this. So, um, you know, ended up with working with some former coworkers from, from Taylor, um, down at NASCAR. So I've been here for four years or so. And I I started in a different role and it's kind of morphed into what I do now, which is fun.
2: Were you a, a NASCAR fan growing up?
3: Um, I wouldn't say I was a fan. I would say my dad um, watched it on Sunday. He usually had me sit down and watch it with him. And I was like, Dad, what is this? Like they're just going in circles. I need for you to explain it to me because I, I wasn't understanding it. Um, so he was a big Dale senior fan. And then when Dale senior passed, he was a Dale junior fan um so when junior was racing we went to a bunch of races we kind of alternated between Pocono and Dover because those are the closest in yep. um so we would do that and then we went to a few trips to the Daytona 500 um and once I finally went to a race I was like oh I get it now <laughs> this is so much fun like the tailgating all the experiences and then the race um so he kind of he morphed me into a a little bit um and now he's like I'm I'm the golden child because I work for NASCAR he's just like you're the best you're the best ever yes I am
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned that you work with you know all the teams and getting them information uh how hard is it to get 50 drivers and a dozen race teams all on the same page would you say it's kind of like hurting cats or is it difficult or how does that go about?
3: yeah I mean I think um we talk a lot you know we we have things, um, you know, especially during COVID, there were there were a lot of meetings to try to disseminate all the information that was happening. Um, and then starting this year before we were at, um, before we were back at like full capacity at most of these tracks, uh, we had weekly meetings to, to communicate all the changes cause it was a lot, um, but working like series by series. So cup series, Xfinity series and um, truck series. We just really work with all the teams separately on, on the information they need, uh, you know, they've got my phone number and can text me and call me all the time. Um, it's always something different. Some people, you know, you know, we work on on certain projects together and then there's other things that, you know, folks are just kind of run with. Um, but we do, we have a lot of, we have a lot of emails and we have a lot of documents that go out just on our routinely week to week basis. That includes a lot of info that they, that they need. So it's, um, I've gotten into a routine with it. I think when I started, it was a lot of like, this is a lot of people to get to know and a lot of different personalities, but I think I've gotten to know a good majority of them pretty well. So kind of know how they, how they work.
1: So you work primarily with the PR team or like what's your interaction with the actual drivers?
3: Yeah. So it's, it's usually with the PR team. So, um, you know, for the most part, um, most of the drivers have a PR person, um, and it's kind of fluctuated. There's, there's, there's some teams that have, you know, one PR rep for two drivers or things like that. Um, But working with them, and then there's usually a communications um, lead at the teams. So working, working with them constantly um, day to day, but I do have a lot of interaction with the drivers um, in that at the racetrack, part of my job is to make sure that they do all the media, um, you know, pre-race and post-race. So, I've gotten to know a good number of them um, pretty well and kind of what makes some of them tick and you know what I can get them to do and what they won't do um so it's been it's another one of those things like the more time you spend with them like the better relationship we'll get so um I think you know over time I've been able to to work with a lot of them um I also work on our events so we have um, when we start the season, we have day 2500 media day and we have playoff media day and we have championship four media day. And then we have a banquet at the end of the year, usually. So they're all part of that for the most part. So they're all kind of all right, there's a familiar face. Um, and there's a lot of people on our team that they get to interact with. So it's cool. It's cool.
2: Speaking of hurting cats, you once worked with Grumpy Cat.
3: <laughs>
2: and who was who Grumpier? Girl. Who is Grumpier? Uh Kyle Bush after a loss or Grumpy Cat?
3: <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> second place Kyle Bush is the worst Kyle Bush.
1: As we Atlanta.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just means that he's passionate. All he wants <laughs> is win. And that's I think that's the crux of it. He just does not like to lose. Um but Grumpy Cat was a good time. Grumpy Cat was a year deal that i got to work with her and travel the country and do some fun stuff for uh for friskies at the time right. yeah
1: so like working with the um different drivers and the pr teams we've seen um some drivers recently that have you know been outspoken about uh, some very varying, varying topics where's the line like for nascar and you guys of like constructive criticism and damaging the brand like how do you guys handle that when the driver would come out and say something negative
3: yeah, you know, I mean, we, we want them to have personalities and we want them, you know, to be to be them to be themselves. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, usually where we where we step in and, and, and where we feel we kind of need to toe the line is if there's, you know, in, incorrect information being disseminated. So if, you know, they're talking about something that's just incorrect and not necessarily an opinion um, and, and maybe something that they may have been misinformed on that's usually when we kind of step in and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is the real, this is the information. I don't know if this changes your opinion, but um, you know, I know there's been a lot about Atlanta. Um, You know, I think that's because it was such a driver favored track. They really loved it. Um, I think they were probably upset that it was, is going to be changing. So they're very outspoken about certain things and, you know, it's, it's good that they have opinions and get fired up sometimes. (laughs)
2: Uh, you touched on it a little bit. Talk about how your world in uh, your job changed with COVID.
3: Yeah, it it, it changed a lot. Um, I, I think, you know, once we hit March of, of last year, everyone was like, oh, this is going to last like two weeks. We're going to stop racing, right? And everything will be okay. Um, obviously it wasn't. Um, I think we were probably one of the most fortunate sports though in that. um our sport can function with people not being near one another. Um, You know, those drivers, you know, we had to come up with a plan and we had to make sure that they were protected and the teams were protected and that everyone within our industry was protected. And, you know, it was the weirdest thing. We went back to the track in Darlington and, you know, I was in the infield. I was in the media center for the, one of the first races back. And it was me sitting in this room by myself for the whole time after the race, I held up like a sign to the, to the drivers to tell them what to do. I was like, call this number, call your PR rep, because you couldn't like get close enough to talk because the cars were, were, were going. But um, even before we got back to actually racing, we got into iRacing, which I think really helped you know, people who were at home and didn't have something to do and engaged a fan base that was interested in NASCAR and then a fan base that was new, um, to the sport. And I think we've seen a lot of those people who were interested during COVID transition to, you know, NASCAR fans and watching and coming to races, which has been interesting. But, um, overall, I think it was just logistical challenges and, and, and I played a very, very small role, but like our, our, uh, competition team, um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what States can we go to, where can we race, um, For a long time, we raced just in places we could drive to. So the whole West coast was off the table, even like the, you know, the middle of the country. So we were in Darlington, Atlanta, Daytona, um, you know, Martinsville, Bristol, all the places you could drive to. So everyone could drive separately and not drive together. And then at the track, trying to figure out how everyone can work together and communicate and it all worked, but now we've got people back at the track. We've got fans. It's getting a little bit more normal.
1: And one of the good things, um, if we could say that, about COVID is, I think, for the growth of the sport, NASCAR being one of really the two main sports in the country that, like, the PGA Tour was going on, how beneficial do you think it was for NASCAR to be one of those two? And is there a way to quantify how much the sport grew with that?
3: Yeah, I, I think it was was beneficial. I mean, I know that our, our team, our NASCAR team was in, you know, in talks with most of the major league sports as to what they were doing and how they could come back. And just the way most of them were constructed it made it challenging right you needed bubbles you needed you know how do you play football without touching right um the most comparable sport was the pga and you know we did chat with them a lot on like hey what are you seeing that works what can we try and all of that and i don't i don't know that we have numbers just yet in in terms of like what we can what we can quantify um but we have seen more more interest we haven't seen you know ratings decline um, we have seen a much broader fan base, um, which is, is something that, you know, we would hope to do just in general, but, um, you know, all the things that happened last year, those are things that happen in one year that, you know, most people probably would have one of those things happen, right? Like you'd have COVID or you'd have the flag being banned, or, you know, you've had some of the things that happen, happen, but we had all of that in, in one year. And I think, you know, we're seeing a bit of a change too with, you know, new ownership and and new people coming on board with this sport. I mean, you, you guys saw that news last week or the week before with, you know, Ganassi and and, and Justin Marks and Trackhouse. Pipple is very involved in this sport. And like, I, I don't want people to think like, okay, Pippel's attached to this. He doesn't do anything. If I could tell you all the things that he did for this, this sport and how involved he is, um, it, it's, it's really an ownership, it, part of ownership. It's not just put some famous person on, on a team and, and Michael Jordan coming on board with Denny and 2311. And, you know, you've got a few other younger guys with, um, you know, Matt Tift and, and, and a few others. So it's, I think the fan base grows with, you know, the new folks in the sport as well. I mean, you have everyone that, you know, loves certain drivers and certain numbers. And I think, um, you know, engaging, engaging a new audience has been positive. And I think we'll see those numbers pan out over time.
2: So iRacing, it was sort of a bridge uh, to bridge the gap during COVID. Is it something you guys are looking at in the future? Because Evan and I, we personally can't get it because we grew up in an age where it was sort of <laughs> weird watching other people play video games. But uh, that seems yeah. to be the thing now.
3: Yeah, it is. It is the thing. Um, we did it during the NBC or the Fox portion of the season earlier this, this year. We had um, a, a handful of I races where the drivers participated. Um, we haven't seen too many right now with the NBC portion of it, but it is something that, you know, we are passionate about. Um, we know that there are, there's an audience there that's interested. There are a ton of drivers that do love it. Um, I, I was telling someone else the other day, like, that's where some of these drivers came from. Like, William Byron was an iRacer. Like, he, that's how he learned to drive, like through iRacing, Um, you know, those drivers that are really good at it, you know, Timmy Hill and Garrett Smithley, like, it's, it's something that is, is intriguing. It's interesting. It's, I don't think I realized it until COVID, how many people participate in it. Um, You know, not even, you know, drivers, just normal people on a regular day. Um, I think it's something that, you know, has legs and something we're, we're certainly, certainly invested in.
1: So in our industry, we work in PR as well, as you know, uh, we find that at like a certain point, like going to a ballpark or an arena kind of loses its luster. Does race day at the racetrack ever lose its excitement or for you, is it like, hey, I'm in a new state, I'm in a new play, like new part of the country every week. Like how exciting is it for you to go around uh, the country every week?
3: Yeah, it's it's fun. It's I really like it. Um, you know, at, at this point, I'll probably go to about half of the races this year. Um, you know, our, our team kind of switches on and off, but it's, it's something different every time you go there. Like it's not there, you do this, this, and this, there's always, there's always something that pops up or something that, you know, you need to do or need to tend to. Um, but it's always fun to get there and it's, it's seeing fans now, um, is, is much better than it was, you know, last year. Um, and, and people interacting more and, and the tailgating, I mean, we were in Pocono a few weeks ago and I. It was, it was entertaining. Um, like we had drivers who typically, you know, you may not see in the campgrounds, just like walking around to see fans saying like, hey, this is what I'm doing tonight. And this is going to be so much fun. And walking away, like that was the best Pocono we've had in a really long time. Um, so getting to kind of see that and walking through it and and, and and all of those kinds of things kind of day in, day out. it's It's fun. It's fun. I think you have to have... Some sort of passion for the sport to be able to work for it and really enjoy it. Uh,
2: how exciting is it to be a part of NASCAR now with the next gen? And then, what are some other new initiatives that NASCAR is looking at to help grow the sport?
3: Yeah, um, the next gen um, car is. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be good. Um, they've been working on this car for quite some time, and obviously, um, COVID had some. Um, implications on the speed and complexity of that. Um, I know a lot of the drivers who have been around for quite some time really want to be here next year to be able to drive those cars and, and kind of get a gauge for it and see what happens. I think it's ultimately going to open up, you know, probably some more, some more doors for manufacturers and things along those lines down the line. Um, You know, I think it, it should be interesting. I think in terms of new initiatives, I think you know, NASCAR is always looking at, you know, new tracks, new courses, new places to go, new cities. Um, you know, we went to Nashville this year, um, for the first time in a really long time. And, you know, I was not joking. This really happened. I was telling someone, I, I literally started crying when I saw the the fans, like fully, fully booked. Like there was not a seat in that place. I mean, it wasn't the most massive facility, but like to see all of those people and in, in a packed place and somewhere you haven't been before, um, I'm kind of excited to see where else we might venture off to here in the next few years. So,
1: speaking yep. of the next gen cards, what was it like your involvement with the announcement and stuff like that? Because I know there was a big ceremony for it back in May.
3: Yeah, um, I, I was not here, I was in QS for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have um, part of our racing communications team um, plays a very, very, um, big role in working on that with our competition team. So they kind of work hand in hand, um, with what, what that looked like. So they, um, they unveiled that here in Charlotte, um, at a, at a venue, um, and my colleagues worked with our marketing and activation really set that whole thing up. So from what it looked like, um, you know, unveiling the cars to what media were there to what guests were there. Um, our group kind of handled all of that. Um, a big part of what our, our group does, our race and comps group does too, is, is really making sure that, you know, the teams and the drivers and, and the media have all the information that's accurate about that next-gen car. So, um, you know, all the, all the testing and all the things that are, are, are happening now, um, you know, that's something we're working on communicating as things are kind of evolving and changing, et cetera.
1: So you said you've been working with NASCAR for a little bit over four years now. What is yeah. what has been a project that you're most proud of, and then maybe one that you maybe the toughest thing you've had to deal with in your time?
3: Oh boy, that's a that's a good that's a good question. Um, you know, two years ago in 2019, um, we brought our banquets from Las Vegas to Nashville, um, and I had been working very closely with a colleague on that, and that turned out to be a really great time. Um, it was, it was so fun to see, um, the drivers interacting with one another, um, you know, Vegas is so spread out. You can kind of go wherever you want. Nashville's a little bit more compact. Um, so that was a, that was a, a really, really fun time. Um, you know, when, when the drivers get a little upset with you, cause you ask them to do some things that may not be the most fun. That's it's hard having, having little confrontations and, and trying to sway them to do things. That's usually my least, favorite part of the job, but, you know, when I win those battles, I'm, I'm a happy camper.
2: (laughs) You think they'll start using mental health as a reason for not uh, doing
3: interviews? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Um, It's a real thing, I guess. I know a lot of people did, did chime in and speak, speak up um, when that came about. Um, But for the most part, you know, you heard them speak up in Atlanta, they'll do it. Um, they may not love talking to the media all of the time, but you know they know that you know it's it's part of part of what what we do day in day out, week in week out, and um, you know they're, they're usually pretty good with that stuff.
2: So that's the uh, loose lug nuts ringer. That's all we had for you. Nice. Um, I uh, I I'm a little. Upset that Monmouth hasn't had you back as a grand marshal. I know they're on the LaGrosa, <laughs> La Miles Austin like rotation of who's going to be grand marshal of the homecoming parade. Right?
3: What about but, Jen Canopal? <laughs> yeah.
2: What about Jen Canopal? And um, but yeah, we're we're happy we're on, and now we have a legit like name we can say, hey, like when we're trying because it's you know we're trying to get people, and when we uh we throw out Jen Canopal, I think that's going to be huge.
3: Hopefully that gets you some, uh, <laughs> I don't, that'll hurt you really bad. <laughs> when are you guys coming to a race where, where you guys are in Texas, right?
2: Yeah. Um, we were going to come to Austin, but it rains. Every okay. time you guys come to Texas it rains.
3: I know I was cool. there too.
2: the one where I, they didn't race till Wednesday.
3: <laughs> I mean, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I love me some Texas, Yeah. but I was like, I want to get the heck out of the state. Like I can't, yeah any longer
2: it was that that track three times i've tried to go to races at that track and it rains and the track never dries so i need to get kyle bush to bitch about that (laughs) see if we can get that fixed
1: (laughs) jennifer we appreciate you coming on sharing some insight into a different aspect of nascar keep up uh, the great work and thanks again for joining us
3: you got it thanks for having me
1: So a special thanks again to Jennifer for joining us and giving us some insight in what she does and handles uh, behind the scenes for NASCAR. And again, sounds like she's got a pretty sweet job. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as sweet as this job is, I wasn't lying,
2: getting to work with Grumpy Cat would have been, like, (laughs) if I had to put that on a list of stuff I wanted to do, that would have been it. I, You know, I just found out Grumpy Cat died from her, so... Thanks, Jen, for just ruining my day.
1: <laughs> hey, well, sometimes the interviews uh, go a little south, but you handled it well and you kept your composure. So I'm proud of you. <laughs> you so, just grumpy
2: Cat's going to live forever, aren't
1: <laughs> <don't> you? <laughs> grumpy Cat will live forever in your heart. Oh, yeah. And Mimi's. Yeah. And Mimi's. So, but again, thanks to Jennifer for hopping in, hopping on and talking to us. We'll break down some news now around NASCAR. Some of which you might have helped with. Uh, the biggest news of the week, we've kind of known about this for a while. Roush Fenway has made it official. They are adding Brad Keselowski to the mix. He will be a minority owner, and he will be the new driver of the number six car.
2: Well, yeah, my, yeah, he'll have a minority stake. He's not a, a minority owner. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, what was uh, the worst kept secret? Colleague? Uh, getting two charters, or uh, Roush Fenwick, Keslowski
1: racing. Uh, it had to be the Keslowski Roush Fenwick. We've known about this. Yeah,
2: well, and that, and the fact that uh, What's his nuts gave it away last week, Penske, <laughs> when they uh, he's like, yeah, Kozlowski will be really good over there. He called it Roush Yates, uh, yeah. so he sort of dated himself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, maybe the light of fire we've talked about how they've been sort of met and if he's in uh, one of his roles is he's going to assume a leadership role uh within the organization on the co- uh, competition committee so if that lights a fire in
1: uh, roush fenway that'd be good yeah so keselowski will assume a leadership role within the organization uh on the competition committee uh chris busher will continue in the number 17 car and again they uh, signed that multi-year deal with Bassinol. So busher in a really good spot with uh roush benway keselowski is that what they're gonna call it
2: i don't think they've said that yet um well and the two the two things like everyone is in a hurry to kick uh roush down the stairs and get rid of him and everyone's ready for keselowski to retire and kazowski's like hey you know i am like mike mark martin man i could have 10 to 15 years in me and Roush is like hey i'm not ready He actually, his quote is, I've been asked to say that I'm passing my baton to him, which I am, but I still have one hand on the thing. So I'm not going to give up completely for a while. A little weird. Yeah. um, Because if you've ever tried to run a track and field meet with two hands on the baton.
1: (laughs) Doesn't really go that well, huh?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. So unless the exchange zone is a lot bigger than
1: normal, you're going to get a foot fault or something. So the uh, with the news, the I guess you kind of say I'm the odd man out is Ryan Newman in the number who runs the number six car right now. He was offered a partial schedule in a third Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing car. I'm gonna call it that. I don't know what it officially will be called. Uh, R- RFK, it. like the RFKR. Yeah, R- well, I was just gonna say RFK. Uh, yeah, but the, the negative connotation with the Kennedy, bro. Why is that negative? Well, I don't know if it's negative. But I mean, Robert's not, but like, the one, Robert's not the one that drove into a creek. Well, you know, but you when you hear RFK, he's going to be the first one that you think of. Not Roush, Fenway, Kozlowski. But if you throw that R at the end, RFKR, then you're like Rif- oh, Rifker. Yeah. I'm going to call yeah. it Rifker. But we haven't heard anything from Ryan Newman yet. So do we see him sticking around RFKR? I could see him moving somewhere full time, but then I'm kind of thinking he's been in NASCAR for 20 years. Uh, Would he retire?
2: Well, it's sort of weird because um, I thought after the accident last year, like, like putting that in my head, I'm thinking yeah, part time might not be bad. You know, yeah. run what you're good at and try to get get wins. But then I, he did a commercial this year. I meant to look it up. He, where it's basically oh like i've always wanted to win a championship blah blah blah. and he like the commercial openly talks about chasing a championship well you can't chase a championship if you're a part-time driver so yeah. i don't know how much he really meant that or if that was just part of the the commercial script that was written for him to say um but i mean i thought after the accident like part-time to me would be the way to go spend more time with your family but that's just me. That's what I would do if I had millions
1: of dollars. I don't, so I will be here working. Um, he's still, like, to me, like, he, I mean, he's 27th in the point standings right now. Um, he's, uh, to me, he's still a marketable name. He's a big name in NASCAR. He's been a staple, again, for the last 20 years. He's still getting all the food sponsors. So he could be a benefit to one of these smaller teams uh, if they did sign him on full-time.
2: It's one of the things we're going to find out. We're still, you know, we got to figure out what's going to happen with Maddie uh, uh, B, Maddie. D, Maddie D. Um, still, I'm not I'm not convinced what's going on with Harvick and uh, Stuart Haas. Yeah, Stuart Haas. I'm not sure what's going on there. So it'll be one of those things. Um, it, Whatever happens here might be like a surprise in the vein of... Um, track house Ganassi type Ooh. surprise yeah. where well, that was actually a surprise announcement where this was like, gosh, they finally did it. Yeah. It's about time, right? Yeah. You know, I yeah, know you got to get your ducks in a row. Yeah.
1: So don't want ducks just walking around, not in a row, just walking <laughs> around. So we'll see what happens with Ryan Newman. The silly season continues and I have a feeling we are nowhere uh, near being done. Um, with some switching around and all of that coming but as we look to next year not to get ahead of ourselves but the next gen chassis uh, headed to teams this week nascar officials said on monday that they were satisfied with the meeting about the next gen cars crash test findings and that chassis distribution would begin later this week yeah i,
2: I I'm, I'm gonna be honest this whole thing as an average fan i was shocked to know that every racing team's chassis comes from the same company in Charlotte, for some reason I thought a Chevy chassis would come from a different company than a a, a Ford chassis, but they're all coming from the same place.
1: So then, what is it di- like? The engines would be different, or is there like any real difference between like a tow-
2: I, well? I mean, I'm imagining the engines, and then just the sheet metal they throw on top of the thing. Um, we should have asked jennifer that question yeah i just found that odd i don't know if that's how it's always been and maybe it is and maybe i'm just showing how stupid i am and then all the hardcore we gotta go to north wilkesboro guys <laughs> just shut us off i should not have admitted that yeah. uh, publicly gosh i instantly regret
1: saying that that's all right. that's why we throw that tag at the beginning where they're just average fans just trying yeah. to keep people informed well, well I, like i read it at the bottom of the press thing i was like that is really weird that Every team is getting their chassis from the same company. Yeah. But uh, they did say NASCAR competition officials met with an independent panel of experts in the biomechanics and safety field last week. So they are confident and moving forward. So it'll be pretty exciting. I'm excited to see the next-gen cars.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I am too. You know, and, and what I'm thinking, like, the chassis is different than
1: the frame. So the frames probably are, is what's different. Yeah. And then uh, looking back from New Hampshire last week, Ryan Blaney and Daniel Suarez plug in the pod as their crew chiefs were fined $10,000 for loose lug nuts or as NASCAR likes to call it, lug nuts not properly installed. Yep, loose lug or loose nuts for the loose lugs or loose
2: nuts. What was that? Loose nuts is what my dad called it.
1: (laughs) You know, I had a case of loose nuts once back in the day. (laughs) I found that my dad doesn't listen to the podcast closely because he's like i didn't hear you guys talk about quinn half in the podcast And i was like we literally talked about him getting wrecked by ryan newman last week and he's like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> But thanks for your download dad i really appreciate it <laughs> but uh some other news uh sheldon creed says he doesn't want to be in trucks next year he has eyes on xfinity with cup as the dream
2: yeah um he said he feels like there's guys who have done trucks for four or five years and then they just go on to become lifers and i don't want to be that person he it was like you ever see varsity blues no gosh <laughs> well james Vanderbeek, like he's supposed to be a high school kid although he looks like he's 30 Yeah, and his dad really wants him to play uh college football uh, he goes to a, a, a high school in texas where i don't know if you know this but uh, high school football in texas was really huge oh my so, god so like his dad's upset because he's he's a real jokester on the team and he's like you're gonna ruin your scholarship and then james vanderbeek in his forehead his big forehead he's like i don't want your life and that's sort of what i feel like sheldon creed just said that to matt crafton and johnny solder
1: yeah well i mean like i feel like every wouldn't every truck driver's dream be to get to the cup? Like, I feel like that's not, like, groundbreaking news, but...
2: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's groundbreaking news. And, I mean, it, it goes to, like, you got to have... A, you have to show you can win. So, those two that I just mentioned have won. But then, it's, can you bring the... Unfortunately, can you bring the sponsorship money with you? And I don't know if they can. Or maybe they, you know, the truck series is there's less races and maybe these people don't want to race 36 weeks maybe they want to race 20 something weeks and and go hunting and they don't need to be billionaires yeah and live on instagram all the time yeah so i
1: different p different strokes for different folks well then it frees up more weekends to go to like the short tracks and stuff maybe yeah some other stuff and so we're we're racing you know it's real racing there yeah And then our last uh, news nugget, Kyle Busch. Uh, NASCAR announces no penalty assessed to Kyle Busch after intentional contact with the pace car. What are your thoughts on that? I was, A, I was shocked. Like I
2: thought that's like a given. Because now if it happens in the future, you're like, you didn't do it to this guy. Yeah. Now it wasn't a vicious nudge. But it, I did find it weird because it said it damaged the car. It didn't look like the car was damaged.
1: Uh, it looked like it. the rear bumper was a little... Came off Was a it? Bit. Yeah.
2: Oh, you can not... You just take a, a plunger and you... Like like a suction cup well, and you it wasn't, pull that no, out. It wasn't
1: dented. It was like popping out. Like it was like came... Like the panel kind of came... Like popped off a little uh, bit. So you
2: can fix that with a plunger? No. Because a lot of those things you can fix with a plunger.
1: Yeah. Um, and then... But to me, it kind of seems like NASCAR is like appeasing to Bush because yeah. Like well, Bush I think the fact that he good.
2: he didn't go off in his post game
1: yeah. thingy um, might have helped. It's a him. race, not a game. If you can get your pronouns right.
2: If you're having fun, it's a game. <laughs> uh, um. So yeah. Anyhow. But he seems- try it if you ever have like a dent that's the there's not a sharp crease. Just stick a plunger in there, pull it out. No,
1: nah, I won't. But, well, I'm going to dent your car just so you can try it. <laughs> uh, Kyle Bush looks like he's having fun on vacation, though.
2: Yeah, his uh, wife, uh, you know, I don't know that I would film my husband. I don't have a husband. <laughs> I would not film my husband twerking, but she filmed Kyle twerking, and they're having some fun with some friends, and, you know, if it's not on social media, it didn't happen, so she went and put it on social media, so have fun twerking kyle he looks like he got over his anger yeah. from the, you know so that's good you,
1: you know yeah. get your healthy rage bump bumping the pace car and then go home and twerk <laughs> so that's our tmz portion of the episode that wraps up our news we will be back on tuesday we have a great interview with pat gray who is the Jackman for the number two brad kozlowski car for team penske a great great interview we really appreciate pat coming on i'm looking forward to everybody listening to that you can follow us on twitter at loose lug nuts pod or on instagram at loose lug nuts podcast be sure to subscribe and review on apple or spotify we will be back on tuesday thanks again everybody for listening we will see you
0: I grew up in Texas where football was my game Until that racing fever started burning in my brain I started running many stocks when I was 13 And won a short track championship when I was just 16 I met a man named Harry Hyde and he built a car for me Sponsored by Granddaddy Hillen Talladega finish Was the start of my big dream given me the brakes. I must admit she smiled a bit, but it's me that runs the race. Now you can't be a champion due to luck or circumstance. But I'll do the best I can for those who've given me the chance. Thank, Thank you for the ride, Mary High. And now I've got some